Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Unauthorized Critic Circle. Here on the podcast, we like to talk about video recordings of theatrical productions, usually of slightly illicit nature. And so, for this bonus episode, we're going to be reviewing a show that you can purchase tickets to from the comfort of your own home. And this week, we're going to be talking about the brand new Netflix adaptation of 13, the musical. Do you have Netflix? Well, you can watch it. Do you not have Netflix? Okay. I'm not going to advocate, you know, anything more illicit than that to you. Netflix has so much money. Uh, We don't need a Bridgerton on our hands. Watch this movie on Netflix. And if you didn't get a chance to catch the production, that's all right, too. We'll tell you everything you need to know in this episode. Without further ado, please enjoy this bonus episode of the Unauthorized Critic Circle. Hey there, my name is Dan. My name is Joshua, and And we we are are the the Unauthorized Unauthorized Critics Critics Circle. Now, Joshua, tell the listener what we do here at the UCC. With pleasure. Here at the UCC, we review theater... With the normal bitcheries and qualms... By watching the video recordings... From questionable origins... Of various productions. Hi, audience! Hey! Welcome back! It's been a long night in New York City. It's been a long night in Baton Rouge. Um, I. That's I, Michael Mayer. I know God, that's singing. From. Not okay. Michael Mayer, John Mayer. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> we, already, we already had our Funny Girl episode. We, we can't keep bringing him up. John Mayer. Oh, Funny Girl. You want to talk about Funny Girl? That's been. <laughs> we, hey, we already did. Let's. Yeah, fuck me. Welcome back, folks. <laughs> Did you miss us? Did you? Oh, God. It's been a while. It's been a while. Shit. Shit's been, man. Shit's been. Um, we took an unannounced break for... Un- uh, unannounced, unexplained, unprepared, unmitigated. For, like, two months? Yeah, like a cool two, three month break. You know, it was the our last episode was us talking about the Tony Awards, and you know how these Tony after parties get. <laughs> I uh, it was bad. no, don't I, uh, do that. Woke shit. up in the it, I woke up in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, not certain how I got there. Just know that it takes two months to get back. We're back. And we're back, and that's what's important. We're back, and we're <laughs> moving ahead with a slightly different format. Um, being transparent with lovely listener, uh-huh. uh, we're a two-person operation. We do everything ourselves. It's just yeah, <laughs> it's just us. Everything, um, everything, editing, our pitiful social media editing, presence, publicity or lack thereof. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Publishing, descript- uh, copywriting, like everything. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's um, a lot, and life has gotten busy. So, moving forward from now on, we are going 
bi-weekly. Now, I was very apprehensive to go by. I've never done it before. Walked into that one. Never um, in my life. You, you said... You said new format, and I thought oh, like releasing we were going to be doing like a singing contest. Oh, in, in we can if you want to. <laughs> no, I really don't want to. That's exactly what I was terrified of. <laughs> so because I'd lose anyway. This um, is true. This thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, hey, no worries. Yeah, we are going to be posting an episode every other week and we are still doing our bonus episodes only when we do a bonus episode now rather than it just taking up a normal week it will actually be a bonus between the yeah it'll actually feel like you've you know you deserve it so what this means for you is this was posted today on august 18th Next week, Good job. we will have an episode ready for you on the 25th. There will be no episode on the 1st, but there will be an episode on the 8th. That's our new way of going forward. We hope you still join us. And we have a lovely bonus episode for you right now. Let's get into yeah. it. Yeah, we, we are coming back to the game as topical as ever. Uh-huh. Talking about a musical that just is so obviously in both of our purviews with, you you know, the podcast's noted affinity for child actors in musical theater. It's 13! 13! Da-da-da-da-da-da-da! 13! I don't know the song just yet! 13! Yeah, I think you're like an octave too low. Little more homework to do. There's only one song from 13 that I like actually know, and it's being a geek, and it's not in the fucking movie, so I don't really have a, a pot to piss in here. Um, what do you want to start? Speaking of which, well, uh, speaking of which, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. What, what do you know Boo. about 13? Boo. Boo, Joshy. What did I know about 13? And that's what I knew about the, 13. The musical, not Go the ahead. state of mind. Uh, <laughs> I knew nothing. Nothing. Never have seen it. Never listened to the cast recording. What no, a universally nothing. applicable statement. What do you mean universally applicable? Nothing at all. Hey, continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Missed you, Dan. Uh, you know, I finally, for once in the history of the podcast, actually am ahead of you in the race. Uh, I've seen 13, the musical. I've seen it live. Uh, some friends of mine did a community theater production when I was in, like, grade nine. Do I remember a second of it? No. Do I remember virtually anything about the musical? No. But I have seen it. Cool. I I remember a two songs endorsement. from the show that. Oh yeah, absolutely. I remember two songs from the show. Neither of them are in this movie. One is "Being a Geek," which I knew outside of thirteen, and another was some song about Kendra. They just went like, "Hey Kendra, I've been thinking," and that's what I remember of that song. Uh, so, yeah. Cool. 
we both basically went into this blind, eh? Eh, pretty much. I have a, here's a sort of abnormal question for this state of the episode. Uh-huh. What were you anticipating going into this? Like, huh. you didn't... Like, we, neither of us knew anything about huh. what well, we were about to see, really. What were, you, what were you anticipating going into this? Bad lyrics, to be honest, because a lot of the other really? teen... A lot of the other teen musicals have really bad lyrics. Fair, but you knew Jason Robert Brown was... Hero Robert De Niro, and this is a 17-year-old... You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I was expecting bad lyrics. I was expecting really annoying kids. Like, extremely annoying kids. Um, uh-huh. And I was expecting my ears to be blown off in a bad way. Okay. I have to cool. say, none of those three things happened. So everything you anticipated was wrong? Pretty much. I mean, not everything. Word. Not everything. I mean, the kids were still a little annoying, of course. But, um... <laughs> um... It, it, Christ it, almighty, are you okay? It sounded like you were about to blow out a lung. It, it, it was... I'll get to it. I don't think it was very good, but I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. What were you anticipating? You know, I was kind of imagining something in the vein of, like, in the Heights? You know what I mean? Like, I think I'd seen one clip of the movie on, like, Twitter as I was scrolling past, and it was of the title song. And it had, yeah, like, I this, like, clip steady cam thing. And, yeah, yeah, It had, like, the steady cam thing going on, and the background looked a little surreal, and they were, like, dancing and walking down the street. And it sort of felt like, you know, 96,000 from In the Heights. And I was like, you know, sounds like, that'll be fun. That'll be a good thing for this musical. And I don't know why I was surprised by what the movie actually felt like, but I was surprised by it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's really the only thing I went in anticipating. I think I also anticipated to be able to really tell what song... Again, I didn't know what songs are from 13 at all. I was expecting to really be able to anticipate which songs were new and which ones weren't. Those were the two things I expected. I could tell. I almost always could tell it's an almost i think there are four songs i think three out of four of them i got right but the the fourth one surprised me not chronologically but like we'll get to it okay you know it in a way warms the heart to see that the disney channel movie musical is alive and well it did feel very high school musical absolutely high school musical Camp Rock, Lemonade Mouth, like all those, the thing where- I've like, seen all of those, Im- yes. I totally know what you're talking about. <sighs> Camp Rock! You yeah. bitch. Urgh. You bitch. I wanna rock! You vile, ugly I hag. I wanna rock! No, don't, 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 don't sanctify the fucking good name of this podcast with Rock of Ages, God forbid. Is that- uh, Camp Rock! That was the Camp Rock. Yes. You terrify me. Um, they were it, going it, to a it, camp of the, rock. It's you gotta stop talking. 
Um, <laughs> Lemonade. Lemonade. That was a great Beyonce the... album. I loved Lemonade. I didn't know that Disney was involved I... with that. I'm going to barrel through to the next sentence. Um, the whole vibe of like these Disney Channel movies is that events happen in certain orders of events and events happen in certain orders of events are... what a sentence yeah no that's how the movies work events happen in a certain order of events uh and the reason the movies are i guess loved the way they are is because there's so much of an emphasis on like making the audience care about these characters and making the audience like, focus on what the actual interpersonal things are among these characters. World be damned. Logic be damned. Plot be damned. It's about making you like these characters as people. Or not like these characters as people in certain cases. That's pretty much how I barreled down my thoughts about, like, 13. Did plot matter? Hardly. Plot was kind of just a device to see these characters interact with each other. Things happen so haphazardly and so randomly, and we're so, hey, this is happening, and this is happening. This is happening? How about this happening? Just to, for the sake of demonstrating these relationships and friendships and crushes and enemies and whatever. And at a certain point, you just sort of turn off your brain and go, okay, would a kid have fun with this? And seems like they would. Well, That's my overall that was... take. What did you make of 13? That was... A... Again, I didn't... There were moments that were good. I didn't think it was very good. It was entertaining mm-hmm. enough, though, that I liked it. And I thought, you know, if I had a kid this age, I'd watch this with them and support them liking it. Yeah, perhaps. And I guess perhaps. that's what it's they're like, going like, after. Yeah. yeah, it's fun and it's inoffensive and it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be annoyed if they liked this. Yeah. If... My kid totally. liked Frozen. I would be questioning what demon spawn I was raising and that I haven't cultivated a better artistic taste within them. Um, if they yeah. liked this, I'd be fine with it. What a generous statement. <laughs> if my kid liked this, I would still tolerate them. <laughs> what a brave thing for you to say as a parent. Can we can we get a father of the year monkey? <laughs> I'd be a great parent. Get up! Oh, Figure out the dance they're doing again. PK turn. PK turn. Faster. We're behind. We watch movies for a reason. You you present movies to your kid in hopes of them just becoming like a sponge of all the culture they have so <laughs> Well, I told you. I, I did tell you that if I did ever have a kid, my son would be in ballet. I would have my son would be a terrific ballet dancer. No son of mine will be a part of the bloody ballet. I, I, I would absolutely He's force... He's gonna work in the Mayans! I would force my kid into dance lessons, and I would, I would be a taskmaster <laughs> and make sure that they were able to dance. There were a lot of kids here that could dance, and I would have them get up and figure out the choreography. This is an audition. Go. Life is an audition. 
Hey, listen, one thing's universal. Life's no dress rehearsal. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. It's the only thing I know about that musical. Yeah, no, I I thought it was nice. I thought it was nice. If I try, I feel like if I try to pick apart this movie too long, I think I'll feel like a bad person. But let's Uh, get into it. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, genuinely, if, if... I feel like stretching beyond, like, the most placid thoughts about this movie will reveal me to be a fucking horrific snob. Like... No, we've put uh, our ultimate feelings on the line, but let's actually talk about the material. Okay, sure. Uh, Let's talk about the screenplay. (laughs) Get that out of the way. Screenplay adapted by the original book writer. So, no excuses. I'm going to tell you something, actually. Mm. I have... I'm serious about this. I have an exclusive scoop that I don't think you'll be able to get from any other sources did certain people in your life get called in for this movie uh i did in fact help someone read for a self-tape yes okay um the scene i read for was something about evan talking to his friends for or someone else i like i was the reader for like someone auditioned for i yeah yeah i operated the camera i well i mean i had to turn down my audition uh, for this, I don't know if you knew, uh, it was filmed in Toronto. I had to turn down, of course, my audition for this piece of material. Uh, they wanted me because I played so young, uh, and so vibrant. No, and that I was, was so me. Right, for the part. That in was 13. me. Uh, I, and I, I had I to turn it do down it because, because I had a wedding to attend. Well, I Ooh. had to, I, um, I, I was in a I, wedding. I was in a wedding. I was actually in a wedding, and that's why I had to turn it down. Uh, they offered it to you me. You were wedded? No, no, no. You were I wed? Was, I, I was the maid of honor. Womp, womp. Oh, congrats. Always a bridesmaid. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they said I was the most vibrant and youthful. Yeah, there was very much a scene, like, right after the title number, where it's him, like, talking to his friends in New York City and, like, going, like, I can't believe I have to move. I can't believe how much I'm going to miss you guys. Uh... And not seeing that in the movie uh, here, I uh, now understood why it felt like I had absolutely no clue about why him leaving New York was genuinely such a big deal. Well, you have Uh, to leave your entire life behind, and I'm sorry. Who wants to leave New York for Indiana? No one does. That enough is understandable. Any of the life? (laughs) Can we know what it is he's missing so we know if even. I don't even know that he had friends in New York City. I don't even know that he had shit going he, on. He, he said he, he had to leave his friends walked in New on York the street. and had okay. to make new friends. Maybe his friends were all those people got into. Maybe they were all internet friends. All those people got into the the opening number with him. You have Dude, to have some listen, good friends. Everyone dancing in New York City. They're all, there are all some, tons of 13-year-old children prowling the streets. You have to have some good friends to get them into a choreographed dance with you. I disagree. I kind of think that just happens in New York. You see how many flash mobs go on there? All those kids practice. You have to play in a flash mob. The problem I have with this screenplay is that everything is haphazard. Everything just sort of happens because someone's like, this is happening, and I feel this about it. Mm. You know, rather than, I guess, seeing something happen and... Ooh, that's a note I had for one of the songs. 
We'll get to that, because I actually disagree with you about that song. Um, but a whole bunch of this movie is just, this happened, and I feel this about it, rather than, you know, thing happening and seeing someone feel that way about it. Mm. You know? It's yeah. a lot of, oh, I wrote novels, and I don't anymore. It's a lot of, I'm missing this in New York, and I feel sad about it. Or it's a lot of, this party is important to me, and I need this to happen. Rather than, like, you know, seeing any of that stuff actually come to fruition, if that makes sense. You Party know, one was a loose... Th but you get what I'm saying. I did say to you, if they removed the word party from this movie, it would be about 40 <laughs> minutes shorter. Uh, <laughs> but also, there's not a movie then without it, eh? Like, you know, that's kind of yeah, the point of... Yeah, but even replace the, the word party. party with bar mitzvah. Like... <laughs> They very specifically um, seemed to not want to call yeah. it a bar mitzvah. Yeah. Too no, much. good point. Huh. Yeah, too no. Much. You don't like, want to you don't, you don't do it up too bad. You're right. I mean, right. when you have like, such a gratuitous bagel eating scene in the last If there's a gratuitous bagel eating movie, scene, all of the Jews were So you got to make up for the front Jews. end, you know? All of the Jews were actually Jews. Yeah, true. Like, you, you could, don't shove your Judaism Even the composer? face. Yeah. Yeah, so let's call it a party. Even the composer's just schlemiel. Mm -hmm. Party, party, party. Uh, you gotta balance out the Judaism. You know how it is. You know what's the biggest problem in this movie? You weren't in it? Besides that. Uh, no then. We have a main character. He takes us to Indiana. <laughs> and he disappears until the last 20 minutes completely disappears and everybody else takes over like it's gone i'm not talking about the dad i'm talking about the kid that's having the party i i don't know the i don't know any of these characters names uh, the, the dear evan hansen joshua hutcherson kid josh peck no the main kid evan yeah oh is it literally evan, evan? the guy who's having the bar mitzvah yeah yeah. Yeah, Evan. Yeah, he shows up in Indiana, and then we spend so much time on, like, the main conflict of the movie seems to be a kiss, and he is completely incidental. Yeah, you know what? Once there he was arrives, a, like, because you could make the argument that that kiss happening is like, he a kid moved from New York City to Indiana. He's among a whole bunch of people he's never heard of in his life. He's a Jewish geek, and he needs to find a way to fit in. And he becomes privy to he this kiss, and he's like, geeky. ooh, that's how I'll be. Yeah, no, there's a song. He sung a song in the original musical called Being a Geek that has been cut from this. Um, but I could understand, like, you know, the thing of, like, oh, that's how I'll get, that's my in. I'll get these people to kiss at the thing, and that's how people will like me, and that's how I'll get people to come to my party. But he comes here and is immediately greeted with nice kicks. So he faces no conflict about meeting inclusion at this school, which is fucked up. How are you going to be making a musical about 12-year-olds and not have a single moment? 13-year-olds, the well, title he's number. 12. He's, he's leading up to his 13th well, birthday. he's leading up to 13. Yeah, so fuck you. Well, are you, the other are kids you telling me that Tick, Tick, Boom is about 30-year-olds? <laughs> Tick, Tick, Boom about 30-year-olds? That's what I thought. Um... It's uh, like I like hate you. he comes there and is immediately thank you. He's he comes there and is immediately greeted with acceptance and inclusion. And 
immediately, like, most of the 13-year-old experience is thrown under the carpet. Well, I mean, they didn't actually <laughs> seem to want to deal with bullying. Yeah, no, they didn't. There's so many dark turns this could have taken that it decided not to take. Like, Rhea Perlman's trying to get the one girl to kill herself, and that's <laughs> yeah, not Reading the fucking bell jar? <laughs> you give a 13-year-old a bell jar? Like, I, I think I literally texted you, oh, was Rhea Perlman, like, trying to cause Jerovan Hansen because it's better no, no, you show te- you te- she wanted to be in? You you texted me like near verbatim saying why is this old woman giving a kid the bell jar, and I said Rhea Perlman should probably be on a list for this. Yeah, she's giving a kid a bell jar. Not actual Rhea Perlman, Um, like you know character Rhea Perlman. There was no bullying. There was no, no bullying. They in this they had movie. one they had one mean character in the entire movie, and she didn't say a single slur the entire time. No, like what's up? No, that that, that didn't make sense. <laughs> totally inaccurate to the middle school experience. There's a character that completely doesn't make sense, but we'll get to that later. Mm. Okay. There's a character that literally like what is reality? What is happening here? Hey, listen. That's a huge integral part of the Disney Channel original movie. What else um, do we have to say about... Oh. Oh. I have to say... Like, the movie is about a kiss, right? Yes. And I could not care less about that kiss. Like... Because this, they both want it! They both want it. Just, like, go through with it. Who cares? And then, like, oh, so, oh, someone else kissed him. It was, like, just a peck. They didn't even make out, like... But th- there's also... I can absolutely... That was one of the things I thought was most accurate about the movie. Unrealistic melodrama about not the act of kissing, but the circumstance of the kiss. And it being perfect. Uh, that made a lot of sense to me. That was like, okay, yeah, this is exactly overwrought and unnecessary enough to be, like, realistic towards over-hormonal teenagers. See, and... Preteens. For me in my life, I was like, nothing's gonna be perfect, just get it over with, move on, figure out something good later. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Daniel. Yeah. I fully picture you just sitting there watching the movie, going like, this is so unrealistic. I didn't have emotions in school. I I, I tried not to. There you go. Don't cry out loud. (laughs) Did you find the movie funny? You had... No. Non-teenage no, person. Did you find the movie funny? I, I don't think I Did laughed. you recognize that the movie was probably a funny movie? I think it... Like, there's a difference between I didn't find this funny and this is probably funny. It might have wanted to be, but I didn't laugh. I didn't really laugh either. Uh, you know, I did laugh, but that was... Um... On purpose? <laughs> no. Okay, yeah. There were moments I, like... Yeah, like, recognize, hey, this is probably... This is... Kids probably go for this, uh, and like went for for that. I I also will say, it fully you, you could tell when something was from like the original book of the musical and when it wasn't right because like a theater joke like, is crafted in such a way that like a film joke isn't. Go on. The the theater jokes 
are always written in such a way that you're expecting a, a pause for laughter afterward, right? And then film jokes are just sort of like awkward bumbling. And so an example like, of each like, is if I'm if I'm if it turns out that this line isn't in the original book, I'll completely be showing my ass. But there was this one line like uh, the kid was like, "I have to have my bar mitzvah in Indiana. It's supposed to be like the one day that's happy and perfect for Jews." And then the other kids like Catholics don't have that day. It goes against everything we believe in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's a theater joke, you know? Not just like." you can hear the pause for laughter afterwards, but also it's the kind of thing it's like, they know that there are adults in the audience. They know that there are Broadway adults sitting there and they want a sort of, oh, wow, this kid's wise beyond their years kind of joke. You know? Uh-huh. And, and then there's also just something like, great omelet, it's pancakes. Blah. Which is very much a film joke. Mm-hmm you know, situational, reaction-based, kind of that thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, that harsh delineation was something I picked up on, like, every now and then throughout the movie. And I thought it, it, it very much seemed like, you know, hey, let's put all this stuff in here to appeal to this shit. Because, listen, here's the thing. 13, the original production on Broadway... There were no adults in the cast, yeah? I, I don't I don't believe there were any adults were in the cast. Were there not? I don't think so. I'll double check, but was I don't think so. Was Cousin Debbie not available? Well, no. Was she busy in but... Outside Mullingar? They think that I was a heifer! Jesus Christ, Daniel. Can I'm, you, can I, you I, provide I, even a little context for people who don't follow Heath Saunders on Twitter? <laughs> you should... Debbie did a play on Broadway outside Mullingar, which she was supposed to be Irish, and um, her accent was <laughs> a um, journey. Uh, yeah, but no, there were no adults in the cast. Well, but yeah. then what happened? How did how, 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 how did they get caught at the bloodluster? Um, the bloodluster? Yikes, that's gross. Isn't that what it's called? Blood Master. Oh. I like my title better. Um, yeah, the Blood Master thing doesn't happen that way. They don't get caught. It's uh, literally just a whole other snafu that stops the kiss from happening in the real moment. Ooh, ooh, you know what made me really angry about this movie? Mm. That loser girl was a snitch. And she never apologized for being a little snitch. Snitches get. I mean, yeah, but he did, yeah, but, snitches get stitches yeah, but he was, he was is a phrase, the but it's people. just like you don't snitch. That's not a. Th- she, they apologized at the end to each other, but she never apologized for snitching, and she was a little snitching bitch. You don't snitch on other people. It's just not done. That was not cool. You can't trust a snitch. You would never trust a snitch after they snitch on you. And to snitch in such a way that you're calling multiple parents, it looked like. Who the fuck are you? And to stop other people from having fun because your life is miserable and you're reading the fucking bell jar? Get a life. But he was friends with the mean people. They weren't mean. They kind of were. Well, she was. Well, what did they do? Well, she she was mean. What exactly did they do? They made fun of her caring about compost. Oh, I, I, that's life, kid. Don't 
That's don't life. don't advocate on the behalf of the bullies. Don't do that. That is life. You know what? You, someone's angry that you're recycling. Deal with it. Deal with it. It didn't look that bad. I've seen actual bullying. I was actual bullied. That didn't even fucking count. Don't even start. She was a little snitching bitch, and she should have apologized for that, and they never dealt with the fact that she was a snitch. And it was unacceptable. And then he's apologizing when she was a snitch? For what? They were mean. But but then why is Evan apologizing to her? She completely put him in that situation... This is, the consequences of this story really are... But he was friends with the mean kids! They weren't mean! They weren't mean! And she even admitted at the end, Hey, I I shouldn't have made you choose between them and me. She completely did that, and then she snitched, and she took no accountability for that. I, I That was also... Also, having the, the kid having to apologize to Krista, Kendra, Kendall, whatever her name is, um, for being gaslit into a relationship. What did he do? He was friends with the mean kids. They weren't mean! I mean, she was, but he was completely gaslit into a relationship. He took no initiative to be in that relationship with her. So then why is he going to apologize to Carmen? Carmody? Constance? What's the character's name? Mean kid. No, not the mean kid. Who, the, the, the loser yeah, kid? I, I've, been, I've been missing you all summer. Oh, Lucy. No, 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 not the mean one, the the good one. Kendra. Kendra, Kendra. He apologized to Kendra for what? <laughs> for being a mean kid. <laughs> he was gaslit by the actual villain of the piece into a relationship. He didn't, no one here really, I think this is the recurring issue. No one here is, events happen to them. And no one actively causes anything. Yeah. Yeah. Except the villain. Which, like, isn't totally inaccurate. Like, sometimes things happen and everyone takes it extremely personally. Like, things feel extremely crucial and life-ending when in reality close to nothing has happened. Well, and also, it, it's that moment when he apologized didn't help by the fact that, okay, this is where Jason Robert Brown is going to shoehorn in his I'm sorry I cheated ballad that comes in every single musical he's ever written. And I'm like, they're 13. Why does this have an I'm sorry I cheated ballad? What the fuck is going on here? Fucking, listen, that whole, the, the relationship was actually pretty fucked up. Like, actually pretty uncomfortable. And I didn't. We'll talk like about it. it. Like it talk made about me it. Feel why? Gross. Yeah, it's just actually fucked up. It's just actually fucked up. Like it's not even like a teenage misunderstanding. It is straight up. Oh, I am watching a child be uh, gaslit and put into an abusive uh, relationship with a kid. And it made me feel gross, and I didn't like it. And then all of a sudden, he had to take the impetus to apologize, which was, like, further gaslighting him after... Like, genuinely, that guy might have been, like, the cool kid of the school. I was most empathetic towards him. 
Shit just happened to him. He's a fine guy. He's like a gentleman. He's extremely respectful of Kendra. He wants to like make this kiss a moment for her. Like, this guy's a fucking gent. Yeah. Like, what a fucking great... Like, like he was... I, I think that was my favorite kid. Like, not not just, like, like my favorite kid for, like, best performer or whatever. Like, my favorite my favorite kid among the characters. Okay. Because he's, like, awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we're anyway. saying that there are some screenplay issues. Uh, I guess. It's never, like, so bad that you're groaning. It kind of just happens and nothing has... None of the events have any consequences, but none of them matter. So then when a bad event happens, you're kind of like, eh. Okay, let's keep moving. Hmm. You know? Yep. Tells us a story. Mm-hmm. So. About a party. Anyway, is that us? Is that what we gotta say? Well, there was a score. I know. I was asking if that was what we were going to say about the screenplay before we go on to the score. Sure, yeah. This is written by a pretty up-and-coming fella. Uh, Robert Jason Brown, I believe. Jason Robert Brown, who we have never Never. discussed. (laughs) Never discussed! I think we might have said... what the fuck? We might have said three sentences on our Tony episode about Mr. Saturday Night and the score there. (laughs) Yeah, like genuinely... Oh, God. Wow, the first two Jason Robert Brown musicals we're talking about are Mr. Saturday Night and 13. What the fuck is this podcast? What the fuck is this podcast? Oh, God. <laughs> we have to remedy... What? It, listen, audience, email us with which Jason Robert Brown show you want us to kick off with. You know, we did talk about Jason Robert Brown. We talked about his vocal arrangements of A New Brain. I guess, but that's not really a Jason Robert Brown musical. No, it's not. So I guess we've brought him up, sure. That's actually more damning to us. <laughs> He's a um, litigious listener. We've been cautious. Fair, fair. <laughs> Jason Robert Brown's score. You start. I love Jason Robert Brown so much. He is one of the workhorse professionals in the business who delivers at a very high quality. Unfortunately, this isn't his highest quality. Would you say that this is outright not a high-quality piece of work? What I will say is he usually knows what the job is, he gets the job done, and that's what he does here. And this show doesn't necessarily call for a good score so much as energetic songs. Sure. Fair enough. There is one great Uh, tune. There is one, like, A-plus Jason Robert Brown tune. And that's the A Little More Homework song at the end. Which, <clears throat> it's great. Um, it kind of hints at a knowing... If there's a... You can feel Jason Robert Brown winking at the audience like there's going to be hell in these kids' lives to come with. And they kind of know it but aren't fully aware of it yet. And there's a wistfulness in there. And, um, there's an overarching metaphor, of course. He's not just talking about literal homework. Mm -hmm. It's a great song. There's a yearning. You know? Yeah. 
There's also, I mean, like, it's also... It's the innocence of youth. It is, but it also touches upon an aspect of Evan's life that has not even approximately been touched upon, mm-hmm. which is, like, this analogy to homework. And not that, like, oh, we need to see scenes of him doing homework, but, like, that see- that song came around, and I was like, oh, yeah, he spent no time doing anything related to any class. Right. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely no, flunking. no. His Judaism class, we saw that. That is not academic. That's spiritual. Judaism is academic and spiritual. Yes, but it is not academic in relation to the actual academic institution. He is not going. He is not it's going not to Indiana. It's not my fault that they don't teach. He is, he is not going to bait Indiana Shul. Okay, he's not. <laughs> he's not going to Chabad, Indiana. Okay. Okay. Also, they have the, the bar fact that you did not laugh at Chabad, Church. Indiana, is like a damning proof that you hate me as a person. Like that is damning proof. That's one of the funnier things I've ever said on the record. And the fact that you've ignored it—not just anti-Semitic, just outright proof of venom among our friendship. Which is why we haven't recorded. <laughs> <laughs> you admit it. Now that is a great song and shows the promise of why he might want to do something like this. I think he also has kids. Uh-huh. Composers make really stupid decisions when they have kids. That's why we end up with Janine Tesori doing Shrek. Fair. Fair I, enough. I, I guess the lesson is if you're a composer, don't have kids. A kid never slowed down Stephen Sondheim. No, Stephen Sondheim slowed down Stephen Sondheim. He has yeah, a kid. kind of did. He's got two kids. He has a kid. Yeah, and what's this he been doing? He's been writing the Disney shows. Um, no fuck. Coco, Encanto, and Bruno. The songs are Moana. Like, that's another songs, one I haven't seen. The, the songs in Encanto. I'm gonna say this because we're never gonna talk about Encanto. I think the songs in Encanto are good songs, and the movie would be as strong if not stronger without them. Cool. Irrelevant. Yeah, he anyway. he writes all kinds of Disney shit now. Yeah, fair enough. But that's more of a Hamilton problem than a kids thing, I think. Anyway, um. Let's start with this. There are there are three new songs, though Jason Robert Brown said there's actually even more than that in a tweet once. But like there are, it's not on the soundtrack, so fuck it. Three new songs. One mm. of those songs I was shocked to find was a new song. And well, the first one, I I've been waiting. I, I didn't really. Um, pay much attention, and I didn't know if songs were added or not, but the score has a specific vibe, and when yep. all of the sudden there was a Pharrell vocal under a Bruno Mars-style song, I was like, this is too modern for this, and I texted you, like, they added songs, didn't they? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You can, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So the yeah, the, that the one... sonic palette completely shifts. I, I missed you last summer. I missed you all summer. That was very, very, very clearly added. Yep. And then, uh, I guess we'll get, uh, we'll go in this chronological order. There's also the Bloodmaster song. That's the one that surprised me. Uh, okay, I have a major issue with the Bloodluster song. 
It's the Blood Master song. And frankly, that song being like a new addition completely shocked me. Because not only in my mind did it sound so much like what I like imagined the musical palette of this show to be, but I also was like, this tells so much in such an efficient way and feels so energetically correct for these characters. Uh, it was one of my favorite <laughs> songs. That's what I gotta I say. I did not like yeah, it. I, I really did not like that song because it was the thing of they were telling you what was going to happen and like actually show me. Yeah. I feel it just would have been so much stronger if the song led into them in the movie theater, like a dancing through life kind of he's going and he's singing about getting the, um, Archie kid. Mm-hmm. The Archie kid, he's going to Archie, he's singing, trying to convince him to be part of the plan, and we see the plan coming together, and we see the plan work out during the song, and rather than that, we just got an entire plan in a song, and then we had to sit and watch the scene happen. Show us, don't tell us, and that song was completely telling us. And I guess nothing worked out how they said it was going to, but that i I don't that that could still be part of the song that could be how the song ends but i really liked the fact that we were seeing in real time uh like how evan can become popular in this group of people it's made completely redundant by the fact that he's immediately popular but it shows so quickly like what was in my mind like the right way of going about for that character you know the thing of like Oh, he's, like, new, but wow, look at this prowess. Look how good he is. By the end of this thing, everyone's, like, rallying around him. This is, like, you got trouble as a song. Uh, as, as, like, a song for preteens. Um, you know? It's, like, that kind of, like, oh, see what I can do. Oh, this this thing happens? No fucking sweat, bitch. Here's what, here's what we You know, plot that. hole? What's plot that? Plot hole here? Everyone wants to see this bloodluster movie, and it's apparently this big box office hit, and yet they can just sneak, like, 20 kids in it, and there's enough seats left. Like, it's not selling well. (laughs) Yeah, no, good point. You can't sneak that many people into a movie theater and... (laughs) And then go, like, we sold... It's an independent movie theater. We sold three tickets, and there are 20 people in the audience. The fuck's going on? Yeah. He's like, we're just gonna sneak in. And I'm sitting there like, there's 25 kids in this scene. You're just gonna sneak 25 people? That's like a quarter of the house. You're moving a quarter of the house and you're expecting a quarter of the house to have seats available. Uh, And, uh, the last song. (laughs) Do you want to talk about the last song right now or do we want to wait? We can wait. We can wait. Yeah, I want to wait. I want to wait. I want to wait. Um, there's a third song that we'll talk about But overall... To the know it now. What will it be? I don't know But besides this, um, sorry. There are songs in this that I like, and there are songs in this that I don't like. I was genuinely very surprised that "Opportunity" was not a new song for the movie because it had oh, the exact same vibe. It was of like, so clearly from the original show. 
it because the song that immediately came before it tried to be modern. Opportunity is making a joke out of OPPA, you know me, which is a late 80s, uh, I believe late 80s reference. Like, it's oh. way, way, way dated, even for these kids to be singing. I didn't even get that reference. Uh-huh. A OPP A you know me. I don't. Anyway, um, it's a rap song. I know you don't listen to rap, but some of us do. Overall, it's a good score. Jason Robert Brown brings a high quality to his work, sort of like in and of itself. I think any other composer inherently would have written lesser than. Yeah, well, and that's what I, one of my expectations was. This was going to have bad lyrics. It did not. Like there, I mm. I oh, don't right. remember yes. the specific lyric, but I remember there like being a decent use of Chippewa, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, I've talked about you know when I go to a musical, I want some kind of unexpected rhyme or something that it's a little itch in my brain that needs to be scratched when I watch a musical. I need some kind of witty lyric that I go, ah, that's nice. It did that. It did that. And Jason Robert Brown is great at those. He's great at, um... Well, I think... What, was Honeymoon in Vegas? He rhymed Beyonce and Fiance. And it was, like, the cap yeah. of the entire song. He's yes, a great lyricist. He is a great lyricist. The, the lyric, in fact, was, uh... Every fake and freak, every fool and clown since the Chippewa settled this stupid town. Which is just esoteric enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and especially since you've already established that that character is reading the bell jar. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense it's like, it's just delivering that. <laughs> it's like just enough for this kid to know the indigenous history of her hometown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call it a good score, I would say he does good work and knows what is required of the score. It's not anything on the grand scale of Bridges of Madison County. And, uh, I, I... I mean, yeah! Am I listening to anything musically, like, interesting? Revelatory? Revelatory. Am I following the leitmotif? No. They don't exist. What about that the dark motif? Um, <laughs> but it works. It is a lot better than it needs to be. Or it is a lot better cool. than other movies, movie musicals, or teen musicals of this ilk tend to be. Yeah, fair enough. Moving forward, I want to depart from our nomial format a little bit. I oh. want to go to Le Cast next. Now, these were Whoa. Um, Le Children, and I don't totally think we need to um, hold Les Looking Glass up to each of them. Yes? Hmm. So, how I think we should go about this. Name one or two people you thought were the best. And you can talk about their performance. 
Word. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Uh-huh. Look at me not being la bitch that I normally am. <laughs> Especially la bitch to children. Yes. Yeah. This is extreme character to... Wait, Dan, are you okay? No. No, I might have had a okay. stroke yesterday. I will okay. not stop using I... salt. I will say, you know what? Genuinely, I was pretty impressed with uh, Eli Golden leading the party as Evan to lead. He an was one of the two of I was going to mention. Fucking sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying I'm agreeing with you. Oh, great. Go ahead. I go thought ahead. You were like, oh, you stole my shit. No, no. Go ahead. I, I really thought he did a fantastic job of leading this film. There, there wasn't any of that sort of like you know awkward main character just sort of ah oh, going through the motions and this is where Lee's gotta go and here's my emotional arc look at it it was genuinely he felt like a real kid mm-hmm. he had fantastic charisma uh, throughout all of the numbers and all the dance sequences um, had fantastic chemistry with all these characters. And straight up seemed like very lived in in a movie that can feel extremely artificial at points. He seemed like a normal kid, which is incredibly hard to do, especially for kids. Um, He was likable. He seemed talented. I didn't really sense any hint of falseness from him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do have to say, though, this is... This is a Josh Hutcherson role. Like, this is something Joshua Hutcherson would have been in, right? And I don't know why they didn't get him. He'd be perfect for this. He's done this movie a million times. Absolutely. He he, would have been perfect for it, absolutely. Yeah, why didn't they get him? What? What's your exhale? Do you have... Give, give, give me an MVP. I think there was someone that was too talented for this movie. And, um... I don't know who the actor is. And the character made no sense. We're also going to talk about the character. The character made zero sense at all, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the kid was beyond talented, and that was the blonde gay kid who played football. Uh, that that character was Malcolm. Okay, yeah. He was played by uh, Nolan Dubuque. Nolan, what? Dubuque, I think. Dubuque. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Dubuque. D u b u c. Nolan Dubuque. Dubuque. Okay, Nolan Dubuque. Um, he was clearly the best dancer on set. Uh huh. And also, yep. it was uh, during the I'm Sorry I Cheated ballad, he had a line that he came in, and it was like, oh yeah, everyone else is auto-tuned. That kid doesn't sound auto-tuned. He was able to actually get it in a real take. <laughs> mm-hmm. And had a lot of charisma. I-, I thought he was better than anyone else in this movie. The character makes no sense. The character makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Because... And I feel fine, like, I'm not trying to bully any kids here, but I feel fine calling him the blonde gay kid, because in the scene, he's in football gear, 
and they're playing football, and yet he makes two wig references, and not like, I'm gonna shit in your wig because I hate you. Um, that's a different show. <laughs> um, like, oh, let's put more locks in this wig. Oh, luxurious wig. And then after making wig references at the end of a song, references like that she's wearing fierce heels or something. What kind of town is this? Like, it's clearly a gay kid. I don't know why the gay kid's playing football. Like, I get that some gays play football or had played football, but they're trying to, like, mask their gayness. No gay kid that's playing football would then be making references about wigs and high heels and, like, drag. Um, they'd be bullied. They'd be bullied. And, like, this is one of the popular kids. I don't understand how he was, like, popular. You liked him? He was very good. I saw him. In the movie, yeah. He's in the movie. Saw him live. Saw him on stage. Saw him in 2019. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. You saw him on stage? Yep. He played Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot? That makes sense. At, the, Stra- at the Stratford Festival. I, oh, Jesus. You and the Stratford fucking festival. But I said he was the best hey, dancer. Hey, hey, hey. And it made Nolan sense. Nolan Dubuque at the Stratford Festival. Yeah, no, straight up, his uh, angry dance at the end of the first act made me cry. Oh. Uh, and he had this gorgeous, gorgeous aerial moment in the second act with Colton Curtis, who played the older Billy. Uh, and it was one production. of the more magical things I've seen at Stratford. Really? Yeah. I hated the Billy Elliot musical. It was just wasted potential. I know. I know, but I found the pr- the production spectacular. Uh, because Billy Elliot's one of my favorite movies of all time, to be honest. And I cry every time I mm-hmm. watch that movie. I was dancing when I was twelve. I was, and he's jumping in the air. It's a terrific movie. And then Julie Waters, just so much wasted potential. Elton John trying to be Jerry Herman. He's not Jerry Herman. He can't even come close. If I had if I had a nickel for how many times and I'm not saying this as like a derogatory thing. If I had a nickel for every time you shared almost verbatim the exact same opinion about Billy Elliot on this podcast, <laughs> I'd be a rich man. I'd be a rich man. Almost it's, verbatim. It's true. <laughs> like it's true. I can't help it. It's true. <laughs> it's a bit like being angry. It's a bit like being scared. Confused and all mixed up and mad as hell. Nolan Dubuque, beautiful boy. Love him. Uh, as for my second MVP, that you, you said someone who felt like they were too talented for this movie? You know who that kind of was for me? Who? Frankie McNellis as Lucy. Which one was that? Lucy. Which one was Lucy? Meanie. Huh? The Mimi? Meanie. Mimi? Meanie. The Meanie. Oh, I was about to say, this isn't Rent. Um, Thank God. The Meanie. Oh, you mean the, the gaslighter? Gaslight gatekeeper? Yeah, the gaslighter, the gatekeeper, the girl boss. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I thought she was superb. I would say probably the strongest voice in the company, as far as I'm concerned. I thought she danced up a storm, and I thought that she was also 
someone who didn't seem like one of the, one of the the problem that child actors can often have is that no matter how good their performance is, you can always tell that the child knows that they are giving a performance. Mm-hmm. And Frankie was demonstrating like so much polish and so much fluency and so much like constant. Can't believe I'm saying this, but a child actor, so much like constant inner life. That there never seemed to be a moment where, like, the actor shone through. You know? Where it was just, like, 100% the character. Uh, and I was really particularly impressed by that. Um, yeah, I found it extremely polished, extremely slick. Uh, and a really captivating performance from her. Cool. Let's move on to the adults who are not going to be as generously spoken about. Yeah, because we don't need to. Um, They're adults. So, let's start with Rhea Perlman. Rhea Perlman's great. Love her. Cast her in more movies. Good job. Good for Rhea Perlman. Moving on. I don't want to talk about him because I don't like how you get when we talk about him. So, Mm. I have to be honest. I have to be honest. I had to pause this movie for like 20 minutes, about a minute into it, because like Drake or Josh, I don't know which one, Drake or Josh, was Josh Peck. Your name is Josh. I don't know. He played Drake or Josh, and I'm not sure which one he played. Well, I ain't calling you a trotha! Okay, I don't remember the quotes. It's been a long time since I watched that show. Okay, that's fucked up of you. Um, He liked Oprah, right? That was the thing. He did like Oprah. Um, he was in this, and... Here we go. He, he was an adult in 13, and he looked like an adult. And I don't know what's going on with my life. Dan needs a couple minutes. I'm going to be back in a bit. I'm going to let him process this. I think I should get Botox. I really do think I'm going to go schedule some Botox. Yeah. Is that a real actual thing that you're telling me, Dan? Although, I mean, he had circles under his eyes, and I... Maybe I need... Botox might, might not be enough. Just I not might need filler. Slept. I think I might need He might just filler. not have slept. And, like... I don't know, maybe an eyebrow lift, because... Jesus his, Christ, Daniel! I mean, it, it, I... Uh, he looks like he was Chug some ketamine 40. and come back, please. He looks like he was almost 40. How was he in 13 and he's one of the adults? Because time moves. This doesn't make sense. Where was Joshua Hutcherson in this movie? Josh Peck gave an okay performance. He was... All right. I didn't think the, hey, it's God jokes were funny at all. And not even in, like, a rabbi and not funny way. Just in, like, a I want to punch this guy in the face way. Also, he made that joke. He came to Indiana. He came to Indiana, and he was like, oh, finally, I'm the hottest rabbi somewhere. And, like, Josh Peck, fucking know who you are, okay? You've had the glow up. You're, you're like, a solidly attractive guy. That joke makes no sense. Like, you are New York hot. He's new. He, you're New York hot. That's not. That, you can't. That's a random thing. Like, get all punched out. Whatever. It's not fucking. Come on. You know. Like, come on. 
Child, they thought they were going to get an uglier man to play this child. role, and they didn't get an uglier man to play this role, and they should have changed the line. Um, Another child stars from my childhood old now? Hey, Dan. Uh, Deborah Messing. I just don't Damn it, I thought that would anymore. snap him out of it. Dan. Oh, Dan. God. Birthday candles. I'm waiting the smelly salt that our birthday candles are I just up. turned <laughs> 70 today, and <laughs> I am making a birthday I make it with the stars it shines it, it helps me remember those that I love for those of you that don't know what that is Deborah Messing just did a play our cousin Debbie just did a play on Broadway called Birthday Candles and she aged from like 17 to 170 um or I think it actually was only like 101, but it like the whole concept was like she'd keep aging and every time the bell rang, she'd get older. Well, for some reason, she's like completely normal acting. The bell jar? Nor not the bell jar, but there was a bell sound. She was acting completely normal, doing everything normal. The bell rang, she turned 70. Mind you, 70. We know how 70-year-olds sound. Bell rang, she turned 70, and all of a sudden she put on the worst old woman voice I have ever heard in my... I am making a birthday cake. I have to add the candles to remember. Here, a carrying number 12 is my fish. Jesus, Debbie, what are you doing? <sighs> She's making a birthday cake. Were you not fucking paying attention? <sighs> Deborah Messing's in this movie. Uh, and here's where we start with Deborah Messing. Jason Robert Brown wrote a third song. Probably because she wouldn't do the movie if she movie. didn't get a song. And... and I think probably most of the people listening to the podcast... People on the street. Who, like... People on most the street. Of the people... Uh, people who listen to this podcast probably could have guessed, even before listening to this episode, that we would be building up to this exact moment. Um, sure enough, there's a third song. And you tell, you can Evan totally is... tell that it's coming. You know that it's coming. They, it just The scene starts and you're like, oh no, she's about to sing, isn't she? She's about to sing, isn't she? Oh God, please don't let her sing. Oh God, please don't let her sing. And then she starts, and from the very first note, it is the most auto-tuned shit you have heard in your life. I literally screamed! Audience, this is true. Dan literally screamed and to prove it oh i recorded it I received this audio clip with a message because that I started in recording. Case just read honest reaction. It was my <laughs> honest reaction because I could tell she was about to start singing, and I was like, "What is this going to be? What is this going to be?" And then it's literally the word is "girl," and all of a sudden you hear "girl," and I just <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Like, you can tell she's not even on the right note. And they don't even give her, like, the courtesy for having her start on the right note. They, they let her start on the wrong note, establish she's singing the wrong note, and auto-tune her up to the right note. She didn't need to sing. She didn't need to sing. I think she needed to sing. Well, she needed to sing Otherwise, for herself. It could have no, been no, 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 no. You could have I, made I, this I, a special I as feature. Member, I, as an audience member, think that Deborah Messing needed to sing. Otherwise, why did we make 13 the musical? Not even 13 the movie. Why did we make 13 the musical? If Deborah Messing could not eventually sing in the film adaptation. You're telling me that, like, back in 2007, this is part of a several decade master plan by Jason Robert Brown. It is all building up to this this eventually. (laughs) It's a she helped workshop Angels in America, and she will help out Thirteen. Is that true? Deborah Messing was in the first Harper workshop production of Perestroika as Harper at NYU, and I believe it was directed by Michael Mayer. Jesus. Uh-huh. Deborah Messing is hysterical in this film. It's not like a bad performance. She doesn't try it's to like be a... hysterical. <laughs> but she it's is. not. It's, I wouldn't even say it's like an outright, like it's a bad performance. Like, it's a fine performance. It's just that the character can be so stupid. And she, like, doesn't clock it. And it's just like, oh... There's a moment at the beginning where she's staring at some award she got for writing a short story, and it's very clearly like, oh, this is going to be her character's arc, and I'm just sitting there like, oh my god, she's about to write birthday candles. This is not good. <laughs> because also birthday candles, I, I don't know the playwright's other works, maybe it's better, but birthday candles was like someone in continuing education classes who's in their 70s and they wrote the play as part of a continuing education class and they're part of the they run the church choir and they convince the community theater to put it on because it's what they happen to write and they're also starring in it like it made sense to me that deborah messing's character in 13 would go on to write birthday candles yeah fair what did you think of Deborah Bessick? Our cousin Debbie. Yep. Yep. You make a great point. <laughs> so what more is there to talk about here? Well, the, there was a movie. They placed the cameras yeah. places, and they had choreography. and So it is a movie. What'd you make of the actual filmmaking here? Yeah, they pointed a camera at the people. And they told them how to move. And that's about as much artistic through line as there is here. Yeah, it felt kind of stage-bound still. Like, all of the yep. musical numbers clearly had a fourth wall where the camera was placed. And yeah. I don't hate it, but it is a thing. It's not the most inventive camera work. The choreography... There were a couple interesting shots. There was like one thing where they were like lying down on the grass and the the camera did an almost 180, it did like a 160, 170, and was just on a Dutch angle for a minute, which was weird, but like, cool, okay? Uh-huh. Um, um, yeah. The choreography was energetic. I did have a problem in the opening number, though, and I don't know if you had this problem. 
It that? felt like the kids were never in focus as they were dancing. I don't know what it was. I didn't feel like it was a focus thing. I think it was that the backdrop was too in focused. It looked like it was shot on like an iPhone or something. You know? Okay. Where like it where it was like the proximity isn't it, it seemed like it was green screened, you know? Like I don't even know if it was green screened. It seemed like they were on false floor. Mm. It made the whole world around them feel like surreal and cartoony not in like a heightened way but in like a i don't believe what i'm seeing way mm-hmm. and like i don't know it, it didn't look great it, there wasn't really any the, you could tell to a huge extent that like all the actors here were just left to fend on their for their own you know mm-hmm. like there wasn't much of a director present and all this. It, it very much felt like, a, hey, we're making a kids movie. Okay, camera's gonna go here. I mean... Uh, you're gonna walk to that point and action. It's not just a kids movie. It's that 95% of the cast is kids. And at that point, I think, as a director, you kind of have to become more of a traffic cop. And, like, are the kids here? Are the kids on? It's more about getting the trains to run on time than... I, they don't have an unlimited budget. I... I Someone who doesn't really know how to work with kids, yes, that's absolutely true. Because if you're not someone who, like, can really handle kids on set, then yeah, your job is just a traffic cop and it sort of overwhelms you and you can't really have the job otherwise. Uh, But in the inverse, there are absolutely directors who not just know how to navigate kids in a workplace but can also, like, elicit things out of them that, if not, I don't know, central to a specific artistic through line, can at least draw them towards a conclusion like that themselves. And here it really felt like it was just the kids were told to say the lines. But when it's this many kids? Like, this isn't just you're working with one or two. This is, like, an entire cast. And like that, like that makes sense. Like, like, like you're not gonna get an entire ensemble cast of kids to click like that immediately. But it wasn't even necessarily like a whole holistic thing. It was like a scene to scene thing. Like within the scenes, it didn't feel like people were on the same page about what they were doing in the scene at times. I don't think the and that's not a kids thing. That's a director thing. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to outright say incidentally directed, but like. It felt like a TV movie. Yep. It felt like a TV movie, and it felt like they knew they were making a TV movie, and they didn't give mm-hmm. it more thought than that. Yeah. It was it was fine. It wasn't inventive, but nope. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be winning Oscars here. Maybe Jason was, Robert he... Brown thought that Cousin Debbie would bring him an Oscar. <laughs> this movie was competently made. Uh, right? Yeah. Competently made? Would you say that? Great. Mm-hmm. Cool. I guess with that, do we just give it our grading? Oh, God. I guess. <laughs> I don't want to do this either. Shit. <laughs> I don't want to give this movie a grade. Fuck. I would <laughs> Dude. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what? How about this? How about this? How about this? How about this? Grade this in two ways. One, like we're like fucking Siskel and Ebert. And two, grade this like we're kids. 
read this like we're kids, if we're like watching this movie and we're like, how much fun? Genuinely, not just like, I don't how know. Good is, but, like, how much That's fun worse. It. I want to do that even less. I don't know what I would have <laughs> thought of this as a kid. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. I recall. It was wasn't even a decade even, ago, baby. I was probably even more stuck up than I am now. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. And that's a valid that's a valid perspective. Hey, listen. Kids are not monoliths. Hey, you know? I actually know I'm so invested in this question now, I'm absolutely gonna do that. Siska Liebert rating, but not with the thumbs up, thumbs down. We do the letter grade system here because, you know, academic. Um, straight up, this is a C plus B minus movie. Competently made, nothing to balk at here. I would never call this a good piece of filmmaking. Never. As like a kid, genuinely, I think I'd honestly say this was an A minus kids movie. I think this is totally the thing I would have gone for to a degree. I think maybe I, I might have been a bit lost with like how haphazard the story was. Not like completely. Oh, this makes no sense. This is a ridiculous set of circumstances but like what the fuck was that monty python voice that wasn't that wasn't the pepper pot voice i could do a pepper pot voice if you want i'm not gonna do that right now um send us but like i i think i might have been thrown off by the fact that like you know nothing really seems to actually affect things but i think i would have been so drawn in by like you know the actual dynamic of the ensemble cast and the vibrancy of the songs and the energy that the company had like throughout i think that really would have tidied me over and i think that i probably would have enjoyed this movie a lot i think this is the kind of movie i would have like watched at 13 and then like for like years and years and years gone oh man remember that movie how great it was and then you watch it when you're old and you're like jesus christ like it probably would have been one of those for me um but that being said, I, 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 I feel like I would have given this an A-. Uh, how do you want to go about grading this experience? You know, I will talk about who I am today versus um, what I probably would have thought as a kid. Fine. Who I am today, I'd probably give this a B-. It's professionally done enough uh, that I could see myself watching it if there were kids in my life, there are not. <laughs> Mercifully, we've heard your plans. <laughs> if I did, like, have any kind of niece or nephew, I'd put it on and, hey, do you like this? And then, as you're talking about, like, childhood, I remember there was nothing in the world I loathed more than High School Musical. Really? Yeah. So this would have gotten an F minus from me as a kid. <laughs> I'm just gonna hunch. I have a hunch here. It would have gotten an F minus. And you know what? High School Musical Two is the reason I. Oh, I openly watched High School Musical Two as a kid, and I made fun of it the entire time. It's the reason I, I credit it today as the reason I'm an artist, and so that explains our variances. Well, thank you for tuning in. Dan? Mm-hmm? What episode is next?
Next week. Are we going with the one? Are we going with, with the one that we recorded four months ago and have not published yet? Yes, we recorded one okay. episode in our backlog four months ago, and we are finally cool. releasing and, it. And as in the middle of fucking August, and as there is always a good transition, we are going from thirteen to the next logical place: vampire lesbians of Sodom. Jason Robert Brown to Charles Bush. Do you not see the through line? How do you not see the through line? If you don't get this, what are you talking about? This This is what you get with the unauthorized critic circle. Haphazard bullshit always. That is our M fucking O. So we are back, everybody. Oh, and wow. We will Hold on. See wait, you wait, wait, wait. Pause, week. pause. Audience, I need you to know that I am currently staring out the window of my Toronto apartment, and I am on the 39th floor seeing a piece of styrofoam lunch container floating amongst the sky, free as a care in the wind. It is, it's like level. It's like not going down. It's just flying horizontally. This is happening in real time, and I needed to speak this into existence because I want to preserve this forever. Thank you for listening. Catch us next time, folks. Bye. Thank you, truly, for listening to this and all other episodes of the Unauthorized Critic Circle. Tune in next time when we talk about vampire lesbians of Sodom, specifically the Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS 20th Anniversary Benefit from March 28, 2005. If you enjoyed the episode, rate us, review us, and subscribe to us on your platform of choice. And if you have any recommendations, questions, or virtual flowers to send our way, email us at unccpodcast at gmail.com. The Unauthorized Critics Circle Podcast is unauthorized. The podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. And all names, pictures, and audio clips are registered trademarks and or copyright of the respective trademark and copyright holders. The Unauthorized Critics Circle cannot help the listener locate or distribute recordings discussed herein.